You and I live in a land of plenty, don't we? It is said that even the poorest of the poor in our nation are richer than the rich in most nations of the world. We are known to be 98%, even our poor, 98% richer than the rest of the world. In our land of plenty, one of the things when it comes to food that we often hear about are, are matters like, well, you know, eating healthy, you know, not eating too much junk food, needing to, you know, go on a diet and lose weight. It's more a matter of the effect on our health based on what we eat versus what we do not eat. Yet in much of the rest of the world, the reality is this. Their uh, focus is more that on malnutrition and starvation because that is what threatens lives. Well, my dear friends, food is a life or death reality. And Jesus calls himself today in our gospel reading the bread of life. He there is claiming to make a difference, the difference between life and death. It is a a surprising and a powerful claim that he makes, but it is one that we are again called to and challenged to believe and receive this day. For just as food is necessary for our physical bodies and lives, so Jesus is necessary for our salvation, life eternal. And so this gospel reading today, this message from God himself is a call. It is a call to life, it is a call to faith to believe it, and it is a call to Jesus. Let's be honest. The gospel also offends people. Matter of fact, even Jesus' response to the disciples today, you know, reaffirms that reality. Does this offend you? And we are told elsewhere within the gospel that even by bearing the name of the Lord, that not only will we be persecuted, but we will also ourselves be offended. You see, the gospel goes against how we think things should be. Even from the mouth of the Lord himself, the gospel was often met with rejection. So also in our gospel today, we see that many of those who were following Jesus were offended by his teaching. They grumble against him because what he says doesn't fit their view of reality. Well, this entire discourse, the the writing of chapter 6 of John that we have been on now for some four weeks, takes place within the context of the miraculous feeding of the 5,000. It's all built around that whole event and miracle. There our Lord showed himself to be, as some uh, commentators would say, the new Moses, the eternal leader of God's people. For just as Moses led the people of Israel across the Red Sea, so Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, and a great multitude followed him. The question is, is why did they follow him? Because of the signs that he performed, just as Moses performed signs by the power of God there in Egypt. 
Moses himself then went up a mountain with the elders of Israel, and there they saw God, and there they ate and drank. And so also Jesus, he went up a mountain with his disciples, and in him they would see God, and they would eat, and they would drink. But my friends, let's be honest, the title of the message today reflects it, but this teaching is hard. Even for some of us who have been raised from the cradle as Lutherans, where we have come to understand and to receive and, and, and accept the sacrament of the altar, but it's hard, this idea of Jesus being the bread of life, of His body and blood in with the bread and the wine. But we need to go on. These references here, as we look at chapter 6 around the miraculous feeding, these references to Moses and the Exodus are made explicit in the conversation that follows. Our forefathers ate the manna in the desert, and Jesus' reply to them was this, I tell you the truth, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Jesus here is identifying himself with the manna in the wilderness and says that it was a sign of his coming. I am. Remember those I am statements? I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. Those who ate the manna in the desert, they ultimately died. But those who feed on Jesus, as we read in verse 58 of our reading, those who feed on Jesus will live forever. What an awesome and a surprising teaching. Exodus chapter 16 says, In the desert the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Jews wanted Jesus to be like Moses and to show them a miraculous sign. And yet, when Jesus pointed to himself as that miraculous sign, when he acted like Moses and offered them eternal manna, they responded just like their rebellious forefathers. They grumbled, they complained against him. But Numbers 21 shows that when the people spoke against Moses, they were ultimately speaking against God himself. They were turning away from God to their own ideas. And I think we certainly can see ourselves in these Jews and in their behavior. For in our hearts, we too sometimes grumble against God when He doesn't act in our lives the way we expect Him to, or when His Word says something to us that we find hard to accept. When the Lord doesn't fit our preconceived notions of how He should be, our rebellious hearts also speak out against Him. Hard teaching? You bet. I know that even with four years of pre-seminary education and then uh, the Master of Divinity at the seminary with four more years of education and when even recently we began confirmation with several boys here at Amazing Grace and one of the questions is, but pastor, 
how is that his body and blood? You answer it. I can give them biblical scriptures that I can quote, but it comes by faith. It's hard to put into our human words, and it's even harder for our sinful human minds to grasp, but this is what he says. It is hard teaching. For Jesus, my friends, He comes to us in ordinary flesh and blood in His true humanity. Even the Gospel of John opens up, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. But our humanness, we, we want you know, some flashy display of glory, but God reveals Himself only to us in the incarnation and on the cross. Hard to accept. No wonder Paul says in 1 Corinthians, we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. This is hard teaching. But as our text says, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. My friends, to believe in Christ means to be united with Him who is flesh and blood. It is not a coincidence that Luther in his explanations of faith often relied heavily upon physical metaphors, grasping, clinging to, hanging on to. Not just some spiritual realm that you cannot grasp hold of and, and really tangibly take, but he talks about this physical element of grasping and hanging on to. Faith is taking hold of the concrete person of Jesus as very present, the one who is truly there both as God and man. Therefore, I find it somewhat ridiculous when people say that these words here in John have nothing to do or no connection with the sacrament of the altar or the Lord's Supper. You know, the only, it isn't just the text at the institution of the Lord's Supper where Jesus says, this is my body, this is my blood. That's not the only you know, support text for us to believe that that is what we receive here with the bread and the wine. This chapter here in itself is one of those major places that we should turn to to consider this further. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. To say that these words are only speaking of faith is to separate faith from the real presence of the one to whom faith clings, the one who comes to us with his flesh and blood at the altar. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. And these words uh, remind us of what Jesus said in the upper room on that Monday, Thursday, where we have these words, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. We, my friends, remain in Christ and He in us through this very Word and in His Word connected to the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. It's a very humbling thing sometimes to walk out of here thinking about that. 
Literally, you have received Christ into you, and, and with that, He is transforming you. And, and you go into the world, and it makes sense why Paul then talks about how we are His ambassadors. We are literally Christ to the world around us. Even Luther would say we are all little Christ because He is in us. Jesus then asked the twelve, you do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus does not direct this question to them because he feared that they were about to leave him. The way that this question is worded shows that he expects a negative answer. Jesus asks this question to draw them closer to him. This question invites a confession of faith. It is an opportunity for them and us to be revealed to the world as ones who are fully and truly given by the Father to His Son, Jesus. And I think we all should celebrate and rejoice in Peter's reply when he says, Lord, to whom should we go? You have the words of eternal life. We should rejoice in these words because it shows that Jesus is not just one religious option among many others of equal value. He is the only one who reveals the Father. He is the only one who gives everlasting life. Any other place that the disciples might go would only offer false teaching and false hope. Jesus alone has the words that are spirit and life. And having been brought to faith in Christ, his followers will follow no one else. As I was working through this and just started thinking about the place of food and hunger and in all of this analogy that comes with eating, and I started picturing our mission trip this uh, past spring in Haiti. To a great extent, many somehow get by. There are some who, with not enough food, they eat mud pies. That's it. That's what it's made from. No nutritional value. And I learned something. I've seen in the past, and even at times here in America, but certainly by photos, children with red hair who are of a, an African of black descent, and I just never really knew what was behind that. I thought maybe it was genetic. You know, some of us have reddish brown, some of us have blonde, some of us are going gray. But it comes from starvation. It reminded me of how many times we end up opening the newspaper or we read an article in a magazine or we see in the news horrible pictures of starving people. And such people in search for food, they walk for miles, they endure horrible suffering, they face great danger, and yet they won't stop searching. The good news for today is that Jesus is the food come down from heaven that we should hunger no more. Today, Thank God that Jesus brings us salvation. Thank God that the table of salvation is set for us both here in this world and ultimately at the eternal banquet that awaits us in heaven. Thank God. 
The meal is ready, my friends, to be eaten. Christ invites us to dine with the living bread from heaven. Yes, this teaching is hard, but what a great word and a great teaching it is. For whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. Last thought. You know, I wrestled with um, where I would go with this text. And, and I said that phrase of the disciples' words to Jesus about, this is hard teaching. It's not my idea. It's not me just emulating what maybe where I am or something of that nature. But as you work through these things, particularly for those of us who have grown up in a sacramental background, whether Lutheran or Catholic or Episcopal or whatever it is, and we have a number of people with different backgrounds like that, it becomes almost second nature. It's just naturally what we have come to accept and to believe. But, you know, as I wrestled with it a little further, I kept saying, but what's the point? And I thought of the world you and I are living in. And then this past week when school started down in Parkland, Florida, and I thought about all those families whose children were killed in that tragic shooting and how their children would not be having another first day of school. I thought about the, the hate and the violence and the grief and I thought about the world in general, about fear and anxiety that's gone mad in this world and, and the untold pain in households and communities. The point? Our, Lord's promise, our Lord promises life. Everlasting and abundant life. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. It's there that we should turn and find hope. It's there we should turn and find peace in the midst of this mess. Yet even with that hope, yes, grief and violence continue. People die. Even those who eat the bread of life will die. Sin persists even among those who drink this cup of salvation. But rejoice, for the Lord promises life in the midst of violence, fear, and death. We who eat the bread of life and drink the cup of salvation have a promise for this world. And that, that the violence, the fear, and the death we see is not all that there is. The tomb is empty. Our Lord rose from the dead. And by this eating and drinking, we are joined to our Lord's body, to His suffering and death, and to His resurrection and eternal life. Yes, this teaching is hard, but what a great and a wonderful and glorious teaching and word it is. Amen.